Hello, I'm Stuart Devine, and welcome to It's Not All Bad. Have you noticed the high temperatures across the U.S. and across the world? Destructive wildfires are scorching Mother Earth for sure and destroying homes and livelihoods as the fire sweeps across large swaths of land. When you see the weather news, you notice the fire isn't a respecter of wealth or position in life. It's just hot. It's totally interesting when people say that it's so hot outside that you can fry an egg on the sidewalk. Well, with a little bit of cooking oil, salt, pepper, and yes, that egg will cook for sure when it's about 110 degrees Fahrenheit or 43 degrees Celsius for those who enjoy the metric system. I'm still amazed at how many people bake themselves in the sun for that tan. Hmm. But instead of cooking oil, they use all manner of tan enhancing lotions, potions, and oils to gently cook themselves to the deep tan of their desire. But I've also seen when folks look like the latest boiled lobster with two arms and legs. Ouch! Man, it's gotta hurt. And what about the humidity in states with high atmospheric moisture content? You can peer out the window of your air-conditioned home or office and imagine the sweltering high temperatures and high humidity just waiting for you to step outside. Oh yeah, it's beckoning. Come on, I'm waiting for you to step out here into this mist. Oh yeah, the nice hairstyle may not stay nice for too long, eh? And that brand of antiperspirant, that's the latest craze, just slinks away from the underarms and catches the latest plane to Alaska while your garment, well, it gets soaked. But wait, then we have people that can still drink seriously hot beverages and eat some of the spiciest foods that would almost seem to melt steel. And this is done when it's hot outside. It's amazing at how resilient we humans are, at least for the most part. Well, even as I'm doing this episode now, I've got a nice glass of cold and crisp lemon tea with ice cubes. Now, just in case many of you think today's topic is about the temperature, well, yes, in fact, it is about temperature of sorts, but not the increase in weather-related temperatures, although global warming is upon this planet for sure. It's the current and increasingly heated rhetoric around political truth inaccuracies, and in some cases, even just straight up lies. I guess some would refer to untruths as alternative facts of some kind. You know, alternative facts, I don't even know what that means. As many of you may have studied or read, our planet is warming at an alarming rate over the last 150 years, not to mention just the last 50 years. Well, the rate of power-hungry and politically motivated rhetoric has reached levels over the past 25 years that has probably contributed to the level of violence, in some cases, even overt hatred of the other that was unthinkable all those years ago, but maybe not so readily actionable and accepted at that time. Yeah, it's getting warm in the political discourse kitchen, don't you think? Maybe you're one of the many people who feel you want out of this kitchen and not worry about or be concerned about the potential damage to our democracy. Of course, we know the toxic brew of accusations, counter-accusations, lies, demonization of political opponents, threats of violence in some circles, and hefty sprinkles of garbage from, you know, racial, religious, gender fluidity, gender fluidity hatred shakers, 
would leave a bad taste in most people's mouths. Notice I say, you would think it would leave a bad taste in most people's mouths. But I'm quickly learning that some people don't have a problem with all that rhetoric. Unfortunately, there appears to be a steady stream of overtly rhetorical performative actions and statements to ensure that this brewed pot of political garbage becomes toxic. Those who would cook and foment this concoction may have a relatively momentarily, um, I don't know, gastro and olfactory sense of satisfaction of sorts. But for how long? Some would say forever until such point that the witch's brew of steaming animosity and hatred for the other will sicken and consume the very people who readily savored the almost daily helping dishes of this bitterness. There appears to be many who are viewing that pot of goo and going against any warning labels on the ingredient containers that caution against too much rhetorical political fiction and lies and encourages a balance of adding ingredients such as understanding, respect, cooperation, and wanting the best for all of this country or any country of its citizens and the inhabitants. This kitchen of political discourse is huge, and the chef, whose name is Democracy, wants everyone in the kitchen to help make the meal edible to the vast majority of the population, not just the few. The chef wants you and me, the wonderful ingredients of ethnicities and races and genders and so forth, this chef wants it all in that pot, that pot of democracy. The chef is the first one to acknowledge the contributions that previously enslaved and current African-Americans, indigenous peoples, LGBTQ peoples, Jews, Gentiles, Muslims, the physically and mentally challenged urbanites, suburbanites, and rural brothers and sisters have added to the wonderful smell of this pot we call America. The chef even has this massive cookbook on the shelf in the kitchen. The chef refers to it often because he wants to make sure he doesn't miss anything to keep the pot cooking, but notice not over brewing. You know what's really interesting though. The chef, even though knows quite a bit to keep the kitchen and cooking in good order, the chef attends classes periodically to refresh the mind about the past to inform the president and to improve on future batches in this pot. The chef makes sure that apprentices take classes that teach the good and the not so good of past actions and ingredients and what must be done in the future to avoid overcooking, undercooking, and making a toxic brew. The chef, who's quick to admonish anyone who threatens this pot of wonderful smelling aspirational stew to rethink what is important Chef quickly refers those people to the wonderful cookbook titled The U.S. Constitution. But the chef isn't necessarily demagogic about the pot of stew brewing with warm, sustainable temperatures. In fact, the chef encourages and welcomes different thoughts. Some wish for more liberal use of various ingredients, while others prefer the more conservative approach. Neither is necessarily good or bad, but necessary to keep that pot you know, just coming along, boiling just at the right temperature, right? Interestingly enough, Chef adds various amounts of ingredients depending on the times and what's needed to maintain the delicate balance of expectations, aroma, and taste for the vast majority of those who will consume this pot of oneness and goodness. Now, now, careful, careful. 
Chef jumps to attention and becomes highly agitated when anyone's right to contribute positively to the stew is thwarted. Chef knows that robbing that kitchen and the stew of everyone's thoughts and right to voice an opinion or vote on a particular ingredient can potentially topple the delicate balance of that specially combined ingredient in democracy. Okay, it's true that I've used or maybe overused metaphors to explain some points, but it's no metaphor that many people are feeling their rights and access to voting are being reduced. The right to learn the country's history, especially the historically not so pleasant side of the ledger is being challenged. Women's reproductive rights are under pressure to almost outright elimination in some circles and in some states. And a powerful push to create a political environment in which some candidates will only accept voting outcomes if they win. Does anyone really believe this is what our democracy is evolved into potentially becoming? Is this to be our future legacy? Of course not. Well, at least it shouldn't be. As a nation, we have not abandoned liberal democracy, but there appears to be a strong push in that direction for many in our union of states. There is demonstrable evidence this degradation of liberal democracy is happening in many countries across the globe. By the way, there are many definitions of liberal democracy, of course, but generally, liberal democracies usually have universal suffrage, granting all adult citizens the right to vote regardless of ethnicity, sex, property ownership, race, age, sexuality, gender, income. We can go on and on and on. The liberal democratic constitution defines the democratic character of the state. The purpose of the constitution is often seen as a limit on the authority of government. This is a liberal a democracy. This is what we are in this country, the union of states. The U.S. remains a state, uh, stable liberal democracy, of course, actually quite stable for the most part, right? So many years. Still, as with any nation of people who believe in representative government and liberty and justice for, justice for all its people, we must avoid the destructive path of hatred and demonization of the other. As political candidates espouse their beliefs, consider whether those beliefs are inclusive of all our people. Is a candidate's rhetoric performative and only designed to cause fear, anger, and even loathing? Does a candidate actually put forth potentially workable policies, whether politically liberal, moderate, or conservative? Or are there no policies at all, but only words that stoke the pot of supremacy for some and despair for others? Of these points, you, the voter, the believer in liberal democracy, the believer in the aspirational nature of this nation's constitution. These are things that must continue to motivate you to be involved, to research the issues and candidates, and eventually to vote. This must be who we are as a nation and as a people. Be the chef who's named democracy. Until the next time, take care. 